These episodes are so fun and sometimes my favorite. I hope you guys enjoy them too. If you do like episodes like this where it is Q&A, a lot of topics covered in one episode, come to Instagram and let me know. I pulled or asked a question question or posted one of those question boxes on Instagram this weekend. I compiled some of those questions and and bringing them on to the podcast today. If you love this episode, I would love to do a part two to this because you guys asked some really great questions. I said you could ask me anything about business, health, fitness, nutrition, mom life, fat, like, like I was like, I'm an open book. And I got this a handful of questions. I won't be able to get to all of them, but I kind of picked the ones that were repeated or the ones that I feel like I haven't covered on the podcast in a while. So if you like this type of episode, please let me know. As I'm sitting here recording this episode, I really do feel like I am so connected to you while I am talking to you. But the way for you to talk back to me so then I know I am sharing quality episodes that you are actually enjoying is by you sharing them and tagging me and even sending a DM that says, oh my gosh, listen to today's episode, da 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 da. Those are my favorite DMs. So let's roll right in because we have a lot to talk about. Some of these questions are going to be juicy and some of these questions are going to be just fun, lighthearted questions. So I've got I've got my notebook, and as you sometimes hear that rolling around in the background, the first question was, when I'm out at a restaurant, what do I get to eat? Love you, Val. Thank you for this question. This was a fun one to kick it off with. And the funny thing is, is prior to my husband and I having kids, we used to go out to eat all the time. When we lived in the the big city of Fargo and there were so many restaurants around us all the time, like he would go to work, I would work at home, he'd come home from work and we'd go out to eat. We went out to eat all the time. But now that we live in a small town in Minnesota that just does not have restaurants that I really enjoy going to, we have to commute to those said restaurants and having two little kids it's like it's just not something we made a priority doing and so it's not something that we do frequently and I say that all to get to the answer to this question is it's whatever I want when I go to a restaurant it doesn't happen very often and I order whatever I want oftentimes I make sure I'm getting something that I am not good at making myself I tell my husband this all the time because he does love to go out to breakfast and I'm like I make bomb breakfast food like I make a bomb breakfast spread I can make a bomb breakfast situation like why would I go out to eat for breakfast when I can make a really good breakfast but things so when I sit down at a restaurant french fries are usually one of the top things that I'm like do they have really good french fries here then I will for sure get them wraps are another thing I absolutely love wraps that are full of flavor everything is just like all together and I love a wrap because it's not so bready you really have the flavor come out more than the texture of the bread I'll order a wrap so that is like my main go-to things but if we're at a restaurant and I'm genuinely well and that doesn't even happen often when we're at a restaurant it's usually like I knew we were coming here and I 
already know what I kind of like because we tend to go to the same restaurants that we really enjoy and I stick to my go-tos. But if you're asking for any sort of like healthy eating tips when you go out to eat, for me, that's just not something that I that I do because I don't get I don't get to go out to eat that often. Now, if I was like my husband who is in sales and he doesn't t- typically pack lunch with him and he's going out to eat more often, then maybe I would say prioritize protein, have some type of vegetable, and not have it be your indulgences. But for me, because I don't go out to eat that often, it is my indulgence. It it usually is followed up by me having a shake before and or after, and I eat what I want, and I stay full and satisfied, and I move on and kind of get back to normal eating. So I've never been one that's like, I have to eat healthy when I'm going out to eat because for me now, it's not as frequent. But when we were going out to eat all the time, you know, we were in our early 20s, so metabolism was higher then. But I would have a good, well-rounded breakfast and I would have a light lunch and then kind of a heavier dinner. So there was that sort of like calorie allocation where I knew you go out to eat, you're just going to be eating more calories. And it's not that I starved myself prior to going out to eat. I would still have protein, veggies, and have food to eat before going out to eat. So I wasn't famished. But still, I when I go out to eat, I'm going to get what I enjoy. My favorite restaurant of all time is a restaurant called Spanky's. And it's, it's just such a cool, unique place. And we go all out. We order appetizer. We order steak and walleye and the gratin potatoes. And I usually get a wedge salad. And then we end it with cheesecake. And I have a cocktail. But do you know how many times I go all out like that? maybe four times a year on my birthday for sure our anniversary for sure because my husband is the sweetest guy and he always lets me pick where we go out to eat in those situations and that's where I always pick (laughs) and then maybe a couple other times if we're um, taking somebody else out for a family occasion so that's what I get when I go out to eat next question is how do I stop emotional eating I know I struggle with this big time And I want you to know that you are not alone. I think that I need to do a whole podcast episode on emotional eating. But realistically, I don't think anyone ever stops emotionally, emotional eating completely. Now, I think you can get better at acknowledging it and seeing where the gaps are, what's causing it. I think you can learn some really great um, coping me- mechanisms for stress. So then you're not always default defaulting to food when emotional or stressed out. But I don't think it's something that ever stops completely. And I think it's one of those things where I talk about this all the time. It's so easy to be extreme. Either you're not emotional eating or you're eating all of the things because you're emotional when really I think it's a neutral ground, a center ground where it's like sometimes we're all gonna emotional eat, but it's about how we bounce back. How can we like acknowledge and come up with better coping mechanisms? So then when it happens again, can we 
establish the habit and then improve upon it and make it a little bit better and a little bit better because I know when I was in the depths of motherhood and really it was like 2020 my kids were home with me all the time I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old big emotions big big things all around all the time a lot of noise a lot of overstimulation from both me and the kids And I would revert to the pantry and I would snack on crunchy things and even crunchy things that I didn't like, such as goldfish crackers, those veggie straws, a lot of the kids' snacks. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Now I understand a lot of time it's just a, a way I was looking to regulate my nervous system and with the program regulate what I've learned about the central nervous system and then realizing and recognizing other coping mechanisms that I can do to calm my overstimulation, it's helped a lot, but that doesn't mean I never emotional eat. So I think there needs to be a whole podcast episode on this topic. I got a question about what my experience was like going from one to two kids. And I had a different experience going from one to two kids because my zero to one child experience was really hard. I think it depends on your personal experience with motherhood. I think it depends on what kind, like not necessarily what kind of baby your second born is, but the nature that your second born comes into this world with, because we, we don't have control over that. You know, I had a silent reflux, um, colicky baby with my firstborn and my second born came out as a very easy, go-with-the-flow, chill newborn. And that made the transition into becoming a mom of two fairly easy for me because when I had my second, my first was a little, no, he he was almost two. So I had a two-year-old and a newborn. And that is hard. I mean, it's, it's really hard. But when you have a newborn that literally is the iconic newborn that is sleeps and then is awake and then is chill and he's pretty okay with wherever you set him down, like he was okay being in the car seat, he was okay being in the stroller, he was okay being in the carrier, he was okay being in the docketot. And so that made it easy to attend to my two-year-old because I didn't have I didn't have a hard newborn. Now, if it was the other way around where I had a two-year-old and a fussy or a colicky newborn, that would have been really hard. Or if my two-year-old would have been like, mom, put the baby down. Like my two-year-old had speech situation, so he wasn't communicating that type of things. I think all he remembered is his brother in his life. I don't think he really acknowledged like, I was pregnant. I remember when Bryce came into the hospital room after I had my second and he walked in and it just looked like he knew that a big shift happened in our life, but he came into the room and I wasn't holding the baby. I had Bryce come right into my arms and then he was kind of like, why am I with grandma and grandpa? Why are we in this room? I could tell there was that look on his face. And then I pointed to the baby who was in the little crib type of thing at the hospital you know and I pointed him out and I really just think he was like oh I I just don't think he cognitively even remembered or was aware like oh this new member came into our family 
But my best friend Lauren and I did a podcast episode on this. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to try to link it. Or if you just search Living in Sync, um, Lauren Ricks, maybe it'll pop up. I'll try to find it for you guys. I know I say that and then I forget to link it in the show notes, but she had a completely different experience because her firstborn was very different than my firstborn and our experiences were entirely different because I struggled with postpartum depression and anxiety and she didn't. And then with our second born, there was just, we were, we had different situations. So going from one to two was a harder transition for her and not to at fault of anything we do as moms. I think it's really, there's nothing, there's really nothing you can do when you're in that type of situation in the trenches, but just really feel into acknowledge what you're feeling, um, show up and take care of yourself while you're also caring for your kids and know like you will navigate through this new season. And if you're like, imagine yourself in this ship, like you're in the ship of motherhood and you're about to become a mom of two. And even if you're beginning to being a mom of two is rocky waters and it feels like a big old storm, things will smooth out over time. And I also want to reiterate and say, if you feel like your transition from one to two has been smooth sailing and no rocky waters, be very careful because that calm, collected, easy go with the flow newborn can turn into a savage toddler very quickly because my second born has been my feistiest that is for sure from the ages of two to four and it is just it's just kind of crazy how each kid has different phases and different seasons but you navigate through it as a mom okay the next question is the big juicy one that always gets popped up when I ask put a question box out there is am I still a beach body coach and the answer is Yes, yes, I am still a beach body coach. I just build my business differently than I did 10 years ago. I've been a beach body coach for gosh, I lost track. Is it 13 years now? 12 or 13 years. And um I really grew my business aggressively from 2014 to like 2018. Well, from when I started to then, I was really aggressive with my posting and my sharing and all of that. And I grew such a substantial business. I am so grateful for Beachbody and my team members and my customers. I'm so grateful for that. I just work my business differently now. I still check in with my customers that are in my groups. I still check in with my team when somebody reaches out to me and wants to become a Beachbody coach. I help and navigate if that is the best decision for them and how to get signed up, but I'm not as aggressive with my business building. A lot has changed within Beachbody from when I started to where it is now um, in 2000. 16, 2018, I really just wanted to mesh in with motherhood. I know so many ladies build their business and build their business well while in the midst of motherhood, but for me, it was just way too much. It was too much. So I had to scale back 
a little bit. And then as I've grown this podcast and when I'm teaching with hormones and living in sync with their cycle, as well as my passion for podcasting and the back end of podcast production, I've really realized, you know, in when I started as a Beachbody coach up until 2018, it was like all my eggs were in the Beachbody basket. And what I mean by that is all my streams of income, all the things that I did on social media, it was like, how can this benefit the Beachbody basket, right? And now I see myself as having this basket and that basket is filled with a lot of eggs. So I have the Beachbody egg, which is a part of my business. I have one-on-one mentoring and coaching, which is a part of my business. I have podcast production, which is a part of my business. I have Feminine Edge Collective, which is my affordable membership that is a part of my business. And I have my affiliate marketing with things like Dime Beauty and Protea and a few other things that are in my basket and you know if we're really thinking of it as like our basket when it comes to my husband and I as a unit he has his income and we have we have lots of eggs in a singular basket instead of putting all of our eggs in one basket does that explanation make sense because I know right now a lot of even top leaders are leaving Beachbody because it doesn't feel aligned for them anymore. And probably Joelle in her 20s would have bashed those, not bashed those ladies, but I would have said things like, oh, I'm not going to go chase the next shiny object. Like they really think that going to a different company is going to change things for them and there was going to be judgment. But some of these ladies that have left MLM, whether to go to another MLM or to start another business endeavor, you know, I am like, who am I to judge the choices that they make for their lives? And I wish them the best. You know, I even had one of the members that one of the top leaders on my team share a post of how she's going to become a real estate broker. And I cheered her on. I've had other people on my personal team grow to build coaching businesses and consulting businesses. And I genuinely am like, if, if, it doesn't feel aligned for them to go all in and all out on beach body anymore. I have no, I have no shade to them. Maybe my early 20 something self that was a little bit more childish and catty would have been like that. But now I'm just like everybody, if you're aligned with wanting to be a beach body coach and make money because you love the programs, you like helping people in their health and fitness and that feels aligned for you, then yes, beach body is a great business model for you to start and systemize a business model that makes sense and you can really build a income opportunity off of it. Now insert the dis- income disclaimer because with sales and MLM and whether it's affiliate marketing, you're not guaranteed any sort of level of success or income, right? You work for it, you earn it, 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 you work with the compensation plan with how it's aligned. And, you know, that's between you and God in, in all honesty. But I am not planning on leaving the company. I do feel aligned with recommending the workouts and the supplementation. And there's, you know, with 2B Mindset being one of the nutritionals, I think that is just such a beautiful program because it helps people have a mindset of enjoying vegetables. I always say, watch one of Alana's videos. 
on eating vegetables and you're going to be salivating and wanting to eat your vegetables instead of shame. But there are things within the company where I can see how people are not feeling aligned anymore. They may see these things as a red flag and not want to build and grow anymore because of them. Because there is some uncertainty. I don't care who tells you otherwise. There is some uncertainty, especially as the company went public and you can see some of the facts and figures. There are some red flags within things. Do I think things can turn around? Yeah, they could. Do I feel like things could continue to spiral down road and downward and not be so great? Yeah, they could. I am not in control of whether the pendulum swings one way or another, but that's just why I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket, but I genuinely do love the company, the people, what it taught me. Um, the workouts are just so fun. We've been innovated. I mean, we've gone from selling DVDs with background elevator music to having the best live class format where there is the podcast, the music, the great trainers, and I think it's spectacular, right? So I hope that was a really great explanation of where I'm at with Beachbody right now. It's something where I still have support systems in place for both customers and team members. And, um, yeah, it's definitely one of the eggs in my basket and I'm so grateful for my journey with it so far and until it doesn't feel aligned with me anymore. If that day comes, it may come, it may not come. I just, I I feel like I saw a couple, I and mean, this is being so transparent and honest with you guys right now, but after I've seen a handful of leaders leave, some eloquently, some not so much, and other leaders within the company that are staying and then like putting a stake in the ground is like, I bleed beach body blue forever and I'm never going to go ch chase the next shiny thing. And I'm like, I don't think that this is a chase the shiny thing. It's just weird how within MLM culture, it's like you need to sell your first, it's like you need to sell your firstborn child and dedicate your dedicate and devote everything to it. Whereas in traditional jobs, people outgrow and change roles and elevate and switch things up, right? Like, do I imagine myself being 60 or 70 years old and still hosting fitness groups? I don't know. And so I'm just living in that maybe I will, maybe I won't. That's where I'm at with things, I think. So I think that's so unique about me to like humble brag is I see the gray a lot of times. Like I say a lot, it's easy to be extreme and it's easy to be extreme with your dieting, with your nutrition plan where it's like I'm all in or I'm not in at all. And I'm right in the middle. Like I'm in, but I'm not going, like I'm not, only going to pursue this one stream of income when I have others, but then also I'm not going to be like bashing something that made my life so incredible and still continues to make my life so incredible. Does that make sense? Okay, I think this makes sense. I also wanted to, what's the next question? COVID hair loss. A lot of you guys had questions on COVID hair loss. So a couple of them were about how did I know my hair loss was from COVID and all of that. If you're new here, I had long, thick, blonde hair 
especially after I had my second born in 2018, just like super, super long hair. I got I got asked all the time if I had extensions. Like it was so thick and full and voluminous. And then in 2020, I was really just wrestling with some emotional things personally. If you followed my podcast journey, I talked about anxiety and and that kind of stuff. I chopped my hair in 2020. And I was like, my hair is so thick and luscious. It's going to grow back so fast. Well, it did start growing back at a good rate. And then in January of 2022, I got January, February 2022, I got COVID and I got COVID and it, it kind of rocked me. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't an easy sickness, but also I didn't get hospitalized or anything like that. It's just body fatigue. It was, it was rough. And then of course we were all quarantined. So I was like home with my kids and still had to mom while feeling so sick. And that's probably why, you know, a lot of times moms feel so sick and kind of linger on it so long is because we just don't have the capacity to tell our little children like mom has to lay in bed all day to feel better. I don't know. Anyways. And then it was like, so yeah, it must've been January, February. I got COVID. And then it was around March, April. I was washing my hair and I would notice clumps and shedding falling out. And while I know shedding is 100% normal, I've always had a normal amount of shedding of my hair, right? This was clumpy and it was getting thin and I keep up with haircuts pretty regularly. And I would look at the back of my hair and I was like, it looks like some spots are four, three, four inches shorter than in other spots when it's really a spot where all of the things should be the same length you know what I mean and I went to the hairdresser and she was like did you have COVID recently and I was like well not recently so that was probably in like late April early May I was like oh not recently but I got it in the early part of the year and she was like that is why it happens it needs to cycle through and really the advice she gave me was use really great products try not to damage your hair and give it time and that's exactly what I've done so I really treated my hair well I started to minimize the use of heat so with my hair and my hair texture I would wash my hair, blow dry it. On day two, I would straighten the ends a little bit because it was at the length where it would be like a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen flip out at the end of my hair length if I didn't straighten it. So I'd straighten it a little bit on day two. Day three, I would leave it alone. Maybe it would be in a low pony. Day four, I would dry shampoo and curl it. Day five, I would just kind of refresh those curls with dry shampoo and maybe some texture spray, but I wouldn't put heat on it. And then I would wash my hair. So before having COVID hair loss, I could go seven days without washing. Now, because I want to keep my ends really hydrated, I wash my hair about every four, five days. I used the products that were recommended by my hairstylist. I used um, Joyco K-Pack and then also, oh gosh, Nioxin. So Joyco K-Pack is for the strengthening of the hair. And then I also 
And the nioxin is for scalp, the like health of your scalp of your head. And I think Olaplex, when I tried Olaplex, I think it made it worse and worse and worse. And then I went to minimally getting highlights, <laughs> which my hair is a lot darker than what I typically like it to be, but just to get it back to healthy again. And now we're at almost a year later and I finally feel like my hair is back at normal thickness and the length is starting to grow. <laughs> so gosh, it just kind of sucks that it had to go from you know, about three months after I had COVID, I was like, I was feeling like bald and like I had no hair. And then six months after I had COVID, I was like, okay, I've got my plan and my strategy to make it better. And now we're almost at the one year mark from when I had COVID. And I'm like, okay, kind of feeling like we're getting back to normal. I also was really taking in the supplementation called Age Defy from Protea. And that is really great for hair, skin, and nails, and just well-rounded um, vitamins and whatnot. So really, really good supplementation. You know, I was trying collagen for a long time, but I didn't really see a big significant difference with using collagen. I haven't had a tub of collagen for quite a while now, and I feel like my hair is still growing and getting the amount of thickness. So I can't really chalk it to using that collagen. I don't know. I think it was just needing good products, minimal heat, and give it time. Just like my hairstylist said. Oh my gosh, where are we at for time? Are you guys wanting to tune out of this or do you want me to keep going? I will talk about, do I watch TV? What are some of my favorite shows? Yes, I watch TV. I, I like reading my fiction books, but once again, I don't watch TV every night but I do watch TV. I, I won't say I don't watch TV because I do, but I don't watch TV every night. My husband and I are obviously watching Yellowstone, but we also loved 1883. And now we are watching that night. Is it 1924? I like those better than Yellowstone. It is so interesting to me. I absolutely love that. I'm going to bring my grandma on the podcast pretty soon, you guys. And when I was telling her about what 1883 was about, she's so into that pioneer story situation. And she told me that, so it'd be my, my great-grandmother wrote in a journal as they pioneered across the country and my grandma has it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I so want to see this like that would be so cool to read so we watched that and then when when the office and that 70s show was on netflix or if when we had cable or like before we had kids sean and i would wind down with that type of a show one of my favorite christmas memories with my husband is we wrap christmas presents together and we would turn on one of the office Christmas episodes and it was the best time. I love The Office, that 70s show, especially at the end of a day where you just really want to disconnect, have a little lighthearted laugh. And those are just some great quality shows that I could watch again and again and again. I have been passively watching recently Ginny and Georgia and oh gosh, what's that other one? Emily in Paris. And I'm not super, super into them, but sometimes if I'm on my lunch break or if I'm taking a little 
mid-afternoon walk or whatever and I want to put something on the TV, I will turn that on. But with podcast production and Feminine Edge Collective and all of this stuff, I, I mean, you guys, straight up, a year ago, two years ago, I had a lot of extra time during the day to do my work in the morning and then watch TV from like noon to when I went and picked my kids up at daycare. Now, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I don't have time for that. So I'm watching less TV, but I'm not going to say I don't watch TV. A typical day. Let's let's talk about a typical day in my life and what that looks like. So I'll just cover like my routines. This is when I say typical day. Now, remember, I'm expressing most of the time an ideal day. Not every day is like this, but a typical weekday for me is... I wake up around 5.30 in the morning because my kids' little green lights, red light green lights, turn green at 5.40. So far, that is the farthest I can get them to stay in their room or sleep up until. Now, if my second born sleeps longer than that, he just kind of comes out when the light is green and he's awake. But I come downstairs and I will try to do something very low stress. Maybe that's journal, maybe that's read, usually devotion, Bible time. And then when my son wakes up, I am either going to get a workout in and then get them breakfast or kind of just hang out with them, make breakfast, get them dressed, off to school. I work. My work time tends to start at like 8.45 until lunchtime. I'll go make myself lunch excuse me, I've got the hiccups because I'm talking too fast, lunch. And then after lunch, sometimes I really have been liking getting a walk-in after lunch, even if it's 10 minutes to reset my brain because I work on my personal business, like my personal business and my brand. So Beachbody stuff, Feminine Edge Collective stuff, this living in sync podcast stuff in the morning and then in the afternoon I tend to switch my gears towards my podcast production stuff I do for my clients editing episodes getting them audiograms editing episodes uploading episodes transcribing writing out their descriptions I do that in the afternoon my son gets off the bus when he gets off the bus I try to wrap up work he has a few minutes to wind down he will watch a show for a little bit I then say time to go get your brother from daycare we have a little bit of a commute to daycare and on that commute it's kind of a pain in the butt sometimes but it's more of a blessing more often than that because he starts talking to me it's like he comes home from school he has a little time to decompress by himself and then we're in the car and we're either listening to music or we're talking and then we get his brother and then we're talking some more we come home and then it is dinner hang out with as a family or activity because um, with wrestling and or church stuff we kind of have that kind of stuff on the weekday nights bedtime routine bath books, jam, like that jammy, typical bedtime routine stuff. Not in that order, but you know what I mean. Kids are typically in bed. We've said goodnight by 7.45, 8 p.m. Um, at, after that, Sean and I kind of clean up the kitchen, living room area together. If he 
is downstairs first, he gets started on it. If I get downstairs first, I get started on it. And then we hang out for a little bit. I will take a shower, do my journaling, read my book, and go to sleep. And that is a typical day in my life. It's pretty regimented, routine, scheduled, but that's how I like it. That's how I'm effective and efficient and I'm focused. And I really enjoyed these questions today. So if you enjoyed this type of podcast episode where we covered all the things, then submit a question to my Instagram DM. We could do a part two on this and let me know. Share this up in your stories. Thank you so much for listening today. I truly appreciate it and I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening today, my friend. And if you loved this episode, before you go, can you share it with a friend or leave a rating and review? It's a small gesture that means a lot to me and helps the podcast reach even more ladies who are wanting to live in sync in a well-rounded way with their life using their cycle as their guide. If you want to see more of the day-to-day stuff in my life, come on over to my Instagram. It's just my name, Joelle Cease. I will leave anything and everything mentioned in the podcast detailed in the show notes. So don't forget to check those out. Thanks again. And I will catch you next time.